Good morning. It's a good day to be in the house and uh, to worship together. Can we just show love for the worship team who serves us each week? So appreciate their uh, abilities and using their gifts to, to lead us into the presence of God. And I so appreciated what Michael had to share with communion as well this morning, both, uh, both in here with us and also um, before service, the staff gets together and prays, and, uh, and so we uh, had a time of communion then as well, and uh, I just love when the Holy Spirit's ahead of what's going on. Can you do something for me this morning? Can everybody just real, just take a deep breath, just inhale? And exhale. Does that feel good? You want to do that again? Let's inhale. And exhale. We were having a time of prayer earlier this week with the staff. And the word that the Lord gave me at the top of my page, I wrote in big letters, was exhale. Exhale. And, uh, and I believe that God wants to breathe over our body this morning. And I believe that he wants to do something really... Um, really neat today uh, in, our, in our gathering here uh, as, we, uh, as we continue our series uh, anchored. Uh, as we get, before we get started, I just want to remind you we have moved to having two gatherings. We have this gathering. You're at it. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> You're present and alert. It's 1030. And, uh, and then tonight we will have a gathering at 6 p.m. And, uh, you know, if you're anything like me, if it flies by the first time and you need to catch it again, come back and get it again, right? Uh, and, uh, and be a part of that. If you have a friend uh, that might not come on a Sunday morning but would come on a Sunday evening, I encourage you to bring them and do that. We're going to read another familiar passage of Scripture last time. You remember the story we read? See, Sunday night, if you come back, it will, you'll, you'll retain more information. Uh, last time we read about Mary and Martha. Remember that? Okay. Today we're going to read another hopefully familiar passage of Scripture. Would you stand with me from Matthew 14? Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. 
Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And once again, from the book of Psalms, he says, Be still and know that I am God. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that your word is what brings life. I thank you that your word is true and we can stand on your word. And I ask today, Lord, that you would transform our lives through the work of your word. And I ask, Lord, as, it is, as it's spoken today, that it would not land on deaf ears, but we would take it and we would receive it and we would do something with it. Holy Spirit, come. Let everything out of my mouth that means nothing, let it be forgotten. But everything that you have for us, let it stick and stay. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, we are, um, we're in the, uh, the Anchored series. And last week, not last week, last week it was snowing. Two weeks ago when we gathered together, um, we, uh, we talked about this, uh, this concept of capacity. You remember that? This, this concept of capacity. And, uh, and I took this jar here, and of course I filled it up the wrong way and, and showed you that as at the beginning of each year, a lot of us will, will look at our lives and we will look to prioritize things and put them in the right order uh, so that we can get on with our life and we can walk forward in such a way that we would have the capacity to be able to do all of the different things that we want to do and, and all of that. And, uh, and then I told you that the Lord really struck me with this, um, with this concept of filling up our lives to capacity. You know, your life was not meant to be filled to capacity. Because when we fill our life to capacity, we leave no room for the unexpected. We leave no room for the unexpected things to take place. What are some of the unexpected things that could take place? Well, maybe it's somebody who's ill. Maybe it's a phone call that you didn't have time to take. You didn't have time to take. Maybe it's an extraordinary circumstance that happens on on the work front. Or maybe it's that the Lord wants to speak to you. Maybe the Lord wants to grow and mature you in a certain way, but you've only given a very limited amount of time of attention span to his ability to move in your life. The unexpected. You know that we live in such an uncertain world that the unexpected happens all the time? Unexpected things are happening left and right. And how we respond to unexpected things has everything to do with what our capacity looks like. What our capacity looks like. I was on Facebook yesterday for 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes time, I saw over 30 individual posts that said, I am anxious I need a break. I need a vacation. I need out of this circumstance. This is hard. This is rush, rough. I saw all of those in a 15-minute span. That was prior to the Titans losing. And then there was a bunch of other stuff <laughs> that came out. Your pastor was praying for you all last night. Let me just tell you. But I want to tell you this morning that a trip to Disney World... A week off on a road trip, going to a restaurant and sitting down, being lazy for a week is not going to fix your problem with having too much on your plate. All that's going to do is postpone the inevitable. It's going to postpone you getting backed up. Have you ever gone on vacation and you came back to more work than what you left with? And you get back and you're like, I just need to turn around and go back. The issue is our capacity. The issue is how much we're putting on, on, our, on our plate. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter says, cast your burdens, cast all your burdens, cast all your worries on the Lord, your anxiety, your fears, your worry on the Lord because he cares about you. And I wonder, based on the scripture we just read, I wonder if Peter has some experience with this. I wonder if Peter has walked through some things that gives him the authority to say, hey, listen, you need to cast all your anxiety and all your fear and all your worry and all your cares on the Lord because he cares about you. Because he does. And it's true. Our bodies tend to tell us when we are overworked, our bodies have ways to send signals that we're, we have too much on our plate, that our capacity is, is too full. Have you ever been reading a book and you get three or four pages that go by and you have no idea what you just read? Because yeah. your mind said, stop, I can't handle anymore. Or maybe some of you struggle with procrastination. I believe procrastination is your mind's way of saying, slow it down. But for some reason, we just continue to move full throttle through life, acting like this whole notion of our, our plate is too full and the capacity with which we operate, there's, there's no change. It's just there's no end in sight. We just continue to hit the ground and we continue to abuse ourselves and abuse others because of our lack of addressing our capacity. We seem to carry this idea that sitting still being quiet and doing nothing is unproductive. But I would argue that those three things will make you more productive than you ever were without them. Busyness is not a badge of honor. Working yourself to death is not a badge of honor. Running at full throttle all of the time is not a badge of honor. I remember many years ago, Arwen was in college and she did a play at Trevecca. I don't remember exactly what the play was. She did a play. She did multiple, many plays. And I like to see, Arwen's my friend. She's important to me. I like to go see her plays. And I remember uh, we, were, we happened to be at McDonald's and we were eating lunch and, uh, and uh, she said, hey, you're going to come to the play. And I said, No. I'm going to catch it on video. And she looked me square at the eye and she said, no, you're not. <laughs> How many know seeing a play in real life and seeing it on video, two different things. Now, all these many years later, I don't remember the, the reason I didn't go. I don't remember anything. I do remember not going and seeing my friend in the show. And if I were to walk in any type of regret, I would say, man, I regret not taking the time to go see it because I don't even remember what it was I was doing. Does that make sense? I don't even remember what it was that I filled the time with, whatever busyness, obligation, whatever it was, that I didn't go see somebody I cared about in their, their show. Busyness is not a badge of honor. We are only supposed to pick up those things that the Lord has asked us to pick up, those relationships that God has asked us to pick up. But a lot of us walk around with such insecurities about what everybody else says and thinks about us that we will pick up the world and mount it on our shoulders. 
And we will order our life based on everybody else's voices, voice and we will ignore the Lord. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, not last. Not seek first everybody else and what they say and leave everything else secondary. We have to have the capacity for God to move in our lives. And so last week I talked about capacity and I talked about why we would need the capacity and I talked about that the unexpected uh, could happen but I also talked about us going into deeper places do you remember when I was talking about and again it wasn't last week if I say last week I mean two weeks ago okay but when we talked last um, I was talking about God taking us into deeper places and then God really started to speak to me about that this past week that some of us, whenever we say going into deeper places, that that is such an abstract concept because we have been so much into the shallow that we don't even understand that, especially to those who maybe your walk with the Lord is new or maybe you've never experienced a move of the Lord or maybe you've never looked and seen the supernatural in your life. Maybe you've not had the capacity and maybe there's people in this room who are not believers. You would not understand what it means when I say, let's go deeper with the Lord. And so I said, Lord, okay, so give me another way to frame this so that our whole entire group, we can understand what that means. And so this year when I'm talking about, I believe that he has called us to be anchored in him. When I, when I say that he's taking us to deeper places with him, this is what I'm saying. The most important relationship I have is with Jesus. The most important relationship I have is with Jesus. Now, a majority of us would raise our hand. If I were to ask you, is this true? You would raise your hand and say, absolutely, that's true. The most important relationship I have with Jesus, but your life doesn't model it. The interesting thing about a statement like this, when it comes to the barometer of relationships, most of the time, the definition of the value and the importance placed on the relationship comes from the other person, not from you. These are the, the most important people in my life. They should be, my wife and my kids. And I can walk around all day long and tell you that Sherry is the most important person on this planet to me. I can walk around and tell you that Sherry, I love Sherry. I can say to you all day long that Sherry is this and that. And I can give you little hints and details that I know some things about her. But it's a whole nother thing when Sherry says, I am Kevin's whole world. It's a whole nother thing when Sherry stands up and says, I matter the most to Kevin. Right? Because I can go through my entire life really convincing myself that she's the most important person and get 30 years down the line and look at her and all we've been doing is cohabitating. Because right now in my life, I've got division in my jobs. I've got division in my ministry, division of attention in my ministries with my kids and all of these things. And if I'm not intentional with my relationship with my life, that's exactly where I'll end up in 30 years. So I have a question to pose to you this morning. When it comes to you and Jesus, what is his respective about this statement in your life? What is his perspective about this statement in your life? 
And that's where we're going here in 2022. I want this statement to be truer in December than it is right now. And the only way for this statement to be truer in my life is that I have to open up capacity. And as we talked about last week, the way to get there is not by dumping everything out and poo-pooing on everybody else and cramping everybody else's style. It is by letting go of the control that you've had in your life and say, God, I surrender. Even Jesus has to be a part of your building blocks of relationship to him. You can't even build a relationship with Jesus without Jesus. You need his help. I need his help. Because I grab everything else that might seem more and more secure than he is. The most important relationship I have is with Jesus. Over in Matthew 7, Jesus is talking and he says, there are people who are going to see him one day and say, I knew you. I, I, I prophesied. I, I, I said your name. I wore the t-shirt. I went to church. I did all of the things. And he's going to look at them square in the face and say, I never knew you. See, you can be doing a whole lot of good things and you can slap the label of Jesus on it and never have one bit of a relationship with him. Over in Matthew 15, he's talking to the Pharisees. And he says to them, they, 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 they say my name on their lips, but they don't know me in their heart. Do you know that the Pharisees, these, these, these religious leaders and rulers who were studied, spent their life studying about the man that's standing right in front of them and they had no clue who he was. They had no clue. And he was right there. Guys, I do not want to be a church where Jesus walks in the room and we have no idea he's here. I don't want to be a person where Jesus walks into my house and I have no idea that he's there. Do you know what Jesus sounds like? What he feels like? What he gives and what he does and what he says? Do you know about him? Is it just merely knowledge? You know, we're teaching the kids all of these Bible verses and I'm so excited about them learning the word at their age and getting it down in their heart. There's gonna come a point where I believe that the Holy Spirit of God is going to take those scriptures and activate them in the kids' lives. That's why we're sowing at this age where they can learn 300 questions of scripture. Not so much that they understand exactly how to apply them at this point, but I tell you there have been situations in your life that you needed one of those 300 verses to apply to your life instead of you doing stuff in your own control and your own strength. So it is important that you have a relationship with the word. Do you know that Jesus is the word? He is the word. You wanna learn about Jesus? Get into the word. And having only the capacity of a Sunday morning for an hour is not enough. Can you imagine what my marriage would look like? Sherry, you get me Mondays from 3 to 4 p.m. And even then I'm going to be on my phone not paying attention. But we'll be glued to a football game. And then spend hours afterward talking about it. The other night, I got to go my horse and ride here. The other night, um, 
The other, the, the other night, uh, I was, uh, when I got home, you know, I'd, I'd had a long day. I had actually met a missionary earlier that day, and a fantastic guy, loved the work that he's doing around the globe, and so that was in my spirit and in my mind, but I got home after this long day of things that I was doing and all of that, and one of the things that I like to do at the end of the night is to go into my kid's room and to snuggle with them before they go to bed. And so I was making my rounds, and, uh, and I go into Lucia's room, and I'm there, and I'm, I'm holding her. And uh, I really didn't have a reason to, to leave. I mean, I was trying to make my round to the four girls. I didn't have a, really reason, a real good reason to get up and leave, you know, for, you know, it was to get on my phone or whatever. But I, you know, I, was, I, I felt like I had been there long enough, and so I begin to move, and she grabs my arm, and she pulls it over, and she says, Daddy, would you stay just a little longer? And I said, sure, baby, I'll stay just a little longer. And right just then, I look up, as I, st- as, I, as I stay just a moment longer, I looked up, and above her bed, we have hung this picture, and it is the globe of the earth. It's all of the continents. And at the bottom, it says, she's going places. And I looked at that, and the Holy Spirit of God said to me, your Lucia, her name means light, your, Luci- your Lucia is going to be a light to the nations. And all of a sudden, right in my spirit, I began to intercede and I began to pray for that child as I was holding her. And then the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart and he said, and Kevin, there's going to come a point in your life where the tables are going to turn and you're going to be the one asking her, will you just stay a little longer? And I want you to know that I would have not had that experience with the Holy Spirit had I not leaned in just a little bit more. Had I not stayed, my capacity was this much, but because I just stayed a little bit longer, because I just took the next step, because I just leaned in a little bit more, the Holy Spirit met me in an unexpected way. So many of us have carved out just this amount of time for God to move, but he's saying, if you'll just lean in just a little bit longer, I'll do something extraordinary in your life. I'll do something extraordinary in, in your life. The most important relationship I have is with Jesus. I wonder what it would be like if we would just stay a little bit longer in his presence. What would it look like if we would just stay a little bit longer in his presence? I want us to be able to say and know this with confidence this year. In the summer, I was excited, this past summer, I was excited about this series being anchored. And I started to get all of these ideas about what I wanted to do with this series. I was looking up uh, information about boats and ships, and I had some real great things. I was writing it down. I could not wait to come and lay that on you guys. I was, I was, I was just getting real excited. But God changed my direction in a simple sentence. He said, Kevin, I'm not concerned about your ship. I'm concerned about your life. Guys, I'm telling you, some of us spend so much time trying to build these big ships that we're on, and God does not want to be tethered to our ship. He wants to be tethered to our hearts. He wants to be tethered to our lives. He wants us to be anchored in Him. I'm going to tell you right now, I like a good cruise ship. I like some entertainment. I like some good food. I like, I like the people on board. I like, to, I like to be entertained. And sometimes we get out there and we can be in the middle of the deep and have no idea what he's going in our, uh, uh, doing in our lives because we are so distracted about what we've put into the ship. And so God said, I want you to be anchored. I want your heart. I want you. And so this brings us to our passage of scripture today where we're looking at, at Peter's life. 
I want you to know God will not force you to do anything in this life. He is available for you, but pursuing him and making a choice for him is your idea. It's got to be your choice. It's got to be your idea. He's not going to make you do anything, but he's going to be available. He's going to be present. He's going to have an invitation, constant invitation for you to come, but you've got to make that choice. And so Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. I want you to just think about that. 5,000 people with some bread and some fish. Miracle of miracles. Wonder of wonders. That was a win for the kingdom. And the next move that Jesus makes, now I'm telling you, if we had a win like that here, okay? If we had a morning where the Holy Spirit of God was moving and people just were getting healed, blind, were being able to see, all of those things were happening here. I'm gonna tell you right now, I would not be sending my team and saying, hey, y'all just go ahead and go on home. I'd be like, let's go to Waffle House. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Do you see what God did, Barbie? Did you see what God did, James? Did you, Justin, did you see where you went on that? What happened in your corner of the room? I would be so excited. But, but Jesus doesn't do this with his team. He sends them away in the boat and says, go to the other side. And he said, I'm gonna dismiss the crowd. I'm like, Jesus, you have lost your mind. I need help. I need so much help. And Jesus said, I'm going to dismiss the crowd. Get in the boat and go to the other side. So he dismisses his team. And I believe it's because he knows. Do you know that God knows what you're about to face? He knows the opportunities that you're about to, to embark upon. He understands that the unexpected is not an unexpected thing to him. He knows that this is, and he just wants to know what you're going to do with this. What are you going to do with this? What choice are you going to make? There's a, there's, there's a big one coming your way, Jeremy. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this, James? What are you going to, Mario, what are you going to do when this, when this unexpected opportunity comes your way? Are you going to see it? Are you going to miss it? Are you going to respond to it? What are you going to do? And so Jesus sends them on the way, and guess what he does? Then it says that he goes up. I love this. I love, Jesus models how we to, are to live. He models for us everything right in front of us. And it says he goes up to the mountaintop by himself to pray. You know why he went up to the mountaintop to pray? Because of this, the most important relationship in his life was his father. I would have been like, high five, all of my friends, let's go hang out or whatever. But he went immediately after that miracle to the one who mattered most. And he started to pray. And he spent time with the Lord, with his dad. Because I believe, man, I'm telling you, I believe Jesus woke up every morning. And he said, dad, what do you want to do today? I'm all yours. I'm all yours. And so it says, as you continue to read that the ship was buffeted by the wind and had made it on out into the, into the lake. And so early in the morning, Jesus decides that he's going to go out and have an encounter with his friends. And so he goes out and he goes out there walking on the water. Walking on the water. Amazing. And they get there and all the friends in the boat are scared and worried because they think they see a ghost. Now, I want you to understand, these guys are fishermen. Having wind and waves, they are used to this type of thing. They're used to this type of obstacle, right? And so they're in there and they're contending with that. And they're, uh, you know, I, I would imagine they're talking about the feeding of the 5,000. What's Jesus up to? Where's Jesus going to those? All of these different topics are going on. And Jesus rolls up with some type of supernatural moment for them. And they look and they don't recognize him and they think it's a ghost. 
And Jesus immediately says, hey, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Guys, the minute you see something supernatural and unexpected from the Lord, the first thing that the Lord's going to say to you is, don't be afraid. It's me. Don't be afraid. It's me. If it's not him, he's not going to say that to you. But if it is him, now how do you know it's him? How can you be sure? 300 Bible verses, reading in the word, understanding that when somebody says something or something's going on, that it's always going to line up with his word. Knowing, have you ever been, this is for the married people, have you ever been in a room and your spouse walks in, but you didn't hear anything, but you knew they were there? You could sense their presence. If your relationship with Jesus is at such a point, you will know when he has walked into the room. And so he's walking by and he says, hey, hey, don't take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And Peter, Peter does something extraordinary here. And he says this, he says, Lord, if it is you, bid me come out on the water to you. Now I want us to understand that Peter had already made up his mind about his course of action before he posed the question. Peter had already made up his mind that in order for this to really be, if this is really you, if the answer to this question is yes, I already know in the mind that what I'm asking you to do is to allow me to take a step of faith and walk on the water to you. So many of us are more like Gideon. We're saying, listen, I'm gonna throw this out there. God, you do something and I'm gonna see if it's really you. And then we come back and it's been him and we're like, oh, that's not good enough. Let me do this again, God, and turn around and go back. And then, and then we go and we're like, well, God, you know, would you, one more time, I just wanna make sure. We are so good about standing still and not doing anything when God is telling talking to us about taking steps of faith. He wants us to take a step of faith, but we are looking for him to do something supernatural so outside of the norm before we even consider taking the step out. We are so comfortable where we are. All the other friends on the boat are scared, worried. What are you doing? Da, da, da. And Peter says, if this is you, tell me to come walk on the water with you. And Jesus said, that's nothing but a thing. Come on, come on. And I love that Peter climbed out of that boat and he stepped on that water. Peter didn't get enough credit, guys. I'm telling you, that was a faith step. I've never seen anybody walk on water before, but I know that my God can do it. You just fed 5,000 people. I've been walking with you. I know you. If this is you, this is nothing but a thing. And I'm telling you right now, guys, God is calling some of you to look and say at your situation, this is nothing but a thing. You're looking at your life and there's some things that he's wanting to clear out of your life. Maybe it's a job situation or opportunity that he's saying, I want you to step out because if you will step out in faith, listen, God will separate you. He will separate you from, your, from the people around you, from your situation, from the firm foundation that you think is firm because you put it there. He will separate you from all of those things as he is calling you closer to him. And Peter steps out of that situation. And I bet you with that first step, it was like, you are, it's you. It's you. And then he says something, something extraordinary happens. It says, he saw the wind. Let me tell you something. I've never seen the wind in my life. 
I don't know what the wind, the wind, how do you see the wind? He says that he saw the wind. The only way that he would have seen the wind is by looking at the waves. He was looking at the foundation with which he was walking on. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? God will start, Jesus will start to call you closer to him and it will start to look a little bit scary because the same things that distract you back in the boat are gonna distract you when you're walking on the water. They're gonna attempt to distract you, but you have to remember who is it that has called me out of the boat? Who is it that, is, who is, who is it that has equipped me to go into these supernatural things? Who is it that is, who God wants to equip you before he sends you? He wants to equip you before he sends you. So here's the principle. God has some promises for you. Listen to me. God has promises for you. I believe it with all my heart. And he has promises that have your name on it. And some of you have walked in discouragement because you're wondering, God, why have I been struggling? Why have I been going through this mess? All of these things. I know you have told me that there's a promise. But do you know when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit, there are only two of them that are tied to time. And that is faithfulness and that is patience. And God says, sure enough, Dave, I got a promise for you. Something that will blow your mind. Something that has your name on it. But the only payment is going to be patience. The only payment is going to be faithfulness. And if you will do those two things, sure enough, because why? Why do I need time, says the Lord? Why do, why, why do I need time for you to walk out on the water? Because your character is not ready for what I'm about to give you. Your attitude is not ready for what I'm about to place in your lap. You are not equipped. You are not, because God does not allow things to start until he equips you. He doesn't send you out to do stuff. He's not gonna send you out to a battle without anything to use. And so we wonder, God, I've been waiting so long on on what you wanna do in my life and, and all of these things and the promises. And all the while you are carrying this thing around and you're like, well, I will be in control, God, until you unveil your promise and make it true in my life. And he says, well, you let go of that jar, buddy. And then we can start talking. Guys, we have to create capacity in our life. Is the worship team around? We have to create capacity in our life for him to move. And so he steps out into the water and it says that he sees the wind. And if you look back up earlier on the scripture, I love this. If you look back up earlier in the, in the story, Jesus sitting on the mountaintop, it says he sees that the boat is being buffeted by the wind. Jesus sees every obstacle that you're gonna face before you see it. He sees everything that you're gonna be having to walk through before you see it. And so he looks at the foundation of the water instead of his foundation in Christ and he begins to sink. He begins to sink. And guys, let me tell you, we're human. And there are gonna be distractions in our life. And some of us have gotten to the point where I'm stepping out of the boat, God, but this is kind of shaky. I don't know about this yet. And we begin to sink. But oh my word, is not the hand of the Lord never too short to save? Even in the midst of sinking, Peter said, Lord, save me. 
Because when you get out there in the deep places, when you decide I want to make this relationship more important than any other thing in my life, there are going to be moments when it is scary and you feel alone. And he is going to be right there beside you to lift you out of the muck and mire when you make a mistake. When you doubt, his hand is right there to save you. So I wonder what it is, guys, that's stopping you from that statement being true in your life. Because our relationships can't be reduced to what we fit in this jar. It just can't. Our relationship with him has got to be so much more than that. And so the invitation this morning is to step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. What does that mean? Well, step out in faith in the thing that's holding. You know what I'm talking. You've been thinking about it for the last five minutes. The thing that you've been holding on to. The thing that's a mess in your life. The thing that's filling up your capacity. Whether it might be a relationship that you don't want to let go of. It may be a relationship that he's calling you to. It may be a job or a work situation. But man, the pay is just so good, God. I'm just going to sit here a little bit longer. He says, well, am I your provider or is that job your provider? And you know what? For some of us, it may not be any of that. It may just be us being Martha instead of Mary. It may be that he sees within your heart that you really desire to see him do extraordinary things in your life, but you just don't have the capacity to spend any time with him. Step out of the boat. Say, today I'm going to change God. If this is you, Jesus, I'm telling you right now, it's him. I'm letting you know the answer, yes, it is him. It is I, says the Lord. Step out of the boat. Step out of the boat and start allowing supernatural things happen in, to happen in your life. I did not know that my foundation was going to be secure, but I'm, doing, I'm walking on things that I never knew were possible. And if you start to sink, you just reach your hand out and say, Lord, save me. You ain't got anybody else around you at that point, right? When he screamed, Lord, save me, that was a posture of surrender. I surrender to you, God. I surrender. He pulled him up. I love this. He pulled him up out of the water. He asked him the question. He said, why did you doubt? I don't think that was an indictment. Why did you doubt? No. My child, why did you doubt? I was right here. I was right here. Don't give up. Keep going. I'm right here. And he puts him back in the boat. And I love this. What's the response of everybody else? These are the same people that said, you better not step out of the boat. <laughs> you better hold on to this worry. He's a, this is a ghost. This is not called what you think it is. This is all the naysayers. When you know in your heart, this is the unexpected thing you're supposed to do. And everybody else in your heart, everybody else in your life is saying all of the wrong things. You come back and those people worship saying, this, this must be God. This must be God. I've got people in my life who say, no, 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 when I know God has said yes. He's going to separate you. 
for good things. And when you come back to those same people, it's not to rub, them in the, rub it in their face. It's to come back and say, you can have what I've got too. Because any one of those brothers on the boat could have also gotten out and walked on the water. They just had to make a step of faith. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to do something a little bit different for our time as we close. Something unexpected. I just want you to physically take a position of surrender. The altar space is open. It might look that like, like that, kneeling at your chair. It might be raising your hands. But as a posture of stepping out in faith this morning and saying, God, I want to step out of the boat. I want to take the step of faith with you because I want the most important relationship in my life to be you. Not the people who are saying nay or yay in my life. Not this foundation. Not all the things I've spent my time worrying about. Those anxieties, all those cares. Your word says I'm supposed to cast them on you anyway. I want my relationship with you to be the most important relationship I've got in my life. And that takes a posture of surrender. So physically, somehow in this space, altars open at your chair. Let's physically make a step of faith and surrender to him as we sing this song. Let's worship together.